Well, as I just mentioned, uh, we have the opportunity to hear from the Shurings today. Jason assured me that he would be refraining from mushrooms this week so that we could hear from them. So, <laughs> Jason, we're just really excited to have you here with us today. And Christina as well. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Uh, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, this church is actually a church of first for me. Uh, in 2015, when we were getting ready to uh, go to the mission field, this was the first church that we actually spoke at. And uh, now this has been the first church that I actually bailed on preaching at. So uh, thank you for <laughs> inviting me back a second time. Um, I was just realizing, though, the last time that you guys sent down Tom to dig a well with me, he was actually down and out for a day with something like dysentery as well. So apparently this is happening. As I come here, he goes there, but uh, uh, not to get into some gruesome details. Um, I wanted to play a video that I did play several years ago, but it kind of sets the stage for anyone who doesn't know us too well or what our ministry is uh, for the context that we work in and, um, and why we do what we do. Um, so, uh, we do have a new member of our family since last time, I think. Oh, no, Cade was here last time. So, we have Myla, who is seven right now, and we have Cade, who is going on four. So, without further ado, let's play this video. Yeah, 
right. It's reality that we don't usually live with on, you know, on our mind. There are still thousands of people groups all over the world that do not have access to God's word. Here in the United States, we're so richly blessed. Um, if you want to know who God is, there are people around you. There are systems, there are churches, there are books, there are radio programs, there is content and digital media. If you want to know who God is, you can find him. And in so many areas of the, Brazil, if, of the world, including Brazil, there's no church nearby. There's no church pastor nearby. There's no initiative from one community to reach another. So Christina and I, uh, for those of you who don't know us, we are tribal church planting missionaries, meaning we are trying to get to these locations that the gospel hasn't made it to and plant a church there uh, so that the future generations of that community will continue to have access uh, to the word of God. So in Brazil, uh, a lot of people don't know it, but Brazil is actually larger than continental USA. All of these little yellow locations are indigenous reservations. And so it actually makes up 16% of the nation. So you can imagine 16% of the United States would be reservations for indigenous. And inside of all of these reservations, there's still 160-some people groups that have never had access to the gospel. So there's no churches nearby that are trying to reach these guys. The majority of them are focused in the actual Amazon basin. Brazil has around 200 million-some people, and the majority of them are along the coast. So up in these areas, there's very few churches. The last time we were here, we actually came during COVID, which, you know, makes our job as missionaries difficult to travel around the country sharing uh, what we've been up to. Um, now, the reality in Brazil was also very difficult. You guys remember churches being shut down, churches with the dilemma of opening up and what do we do and opinions everywhere. The same thing happened in Brazil, except that the federal mandates came down even stronger. So in 2021, the government made a mandate that anyone who was not an indigenous had to be outside of these reservations. And so 350-some missionaries of our organization had to leave from one day to the next. And they ended up stranded in cities because you couldn't travel. And finally, we got the call from our mission leaders, and they asked us to leave our location. And what we told them is that we just simply couldn't leave because if we left, we would have nothing to go back to. We live so remotely in the jungle, we couldn't abandon the location. So we came up with a way of having a little bit of a barrier, isolation, so that we wouldn't have direct contact, but we also work in medical, and so it puts us in a huge dilemma. Of the 50-some works that Ethnos 360 has in Brazil, we're the only one to actually stay open. And we were able to stay open the entire time and were one of the first to re-engage in ministry as soon as things were permitted, which is exciting. So uh, over the last nine years since Christina and I have been there, uh, our job is to support teaching, uh, recording, and translation. And uh, we're super excited to say through COVID, all of that continued. Um, and so here is Christina in the back. She started to do a lot more women's ministry. 
And something new since last time we were here, we have kickstarted the Old Testament translation project using indigenous translators. And so these are a couple believers who took their family to central Brazil so that they could be trained, uh, and then they head back to their tribes and start uh, continuing translating. And one of the cool things of these people here, uh, Itovaith has been a believer for a while. During the pandemic, he reached his brother for Christ, and now he is a translator as well. Another thing that we've started since the last time we were here are medical camps. Uh, we've always engaged in medical ministry uh, just because the people have such a big need. And as we've partnered and gotten to know other people, doctors have offered to come volunteer. So in the last couple years, uh, even through the pandemic, we've had dentists come, uh, we've had gynecologists come, uh, general practitioners, and that has been really good for the indigenous. And of course, when you bring in a doctor, it also brings in a crowd. So villages, you know, four or five villages will come at a time uh, to be attended. And a lot of these people, we don't get regular access to. So it's really exciting being able to draw them uh, to our base. And then, of course, we do meetings and uh, schedule teaching in their villages. So that's been something that's been real exciting. We've done three of these camps with uh, the doctors uh, coming in from the outside. And since it's been such a success, uh, we've decided to build an actual medical clinic at our jungle location. And so here's an aerial view. Um, it'll have three rooms, uh, one for dentistry, uh, one for general, and then one for uh, infectious disease diagnosis. And so we plan on having four medical camps per year of volunteer doctors, some from the, here in the United States and a bunch from Brazil. So it's really exciting because since I got there in 2015, God has continually put this on our heart to just take medical to the next level. And after several years, we thought that dream was dying. And randomly in COVID, it just proved that if we can draw people to us, uh, they'll still continue to hear the gospel from us, uh, even if we can't go into their reservation. So to build that clinic... Uh, I think in the past I've shown videos of the transportation that it takes to get to our jungle base. Uh, so you can imagine taking around 20 tons of material, cement, sand, steel, roofing. Um, it has become a huge job. Uh, the majority of the work is not the building. It's the transportation of the material. And so you can see a little bit of what that's like. Uh, so far, the last time I counted, I was around 60 trips in the boat. You may have seen this video, but I wanted to show it again. This was the last welding.
this well has so many stories that I could tell uh, behind it. I've done a bunch of wells with Tom already, and every single time we do a project, we always say we have to have a minimum of three guys working and one person on life support to cook for us. And since we haven't learned from past experience, we decided to do this well with two people. <laughs> so helicopter flies us in, drops us off, and uh, day one we realized that nothing was going to happen because of us. Everything was going wrong. There was three mission-critical situations that we had absolutely no solution for, and the helicopter had dropped us off and was scheduled to pick us back up in seven days, which is already too short of a timeline. And uh, we just kind of went to bed in the hammocks at night and gave it to God. And one situation, and then the next, and the next, God provided a solution for. When the helicopter drops us off deep in the jungle, I don't have communication. We just scheduled a date. But we did have a satellite communicator, was able to communicate the situation to Christina, and uh, she really bailed us out on that project because not only was she able to convince the helicopter pilot to go back and take us some material that we were missing, she also sent us a cook, <laughs> uh, which we really needed. Um, that project is just one that uh, completely has me convinced that we are not doing something, God is. And uh, every time we fall short, that's when he steps up and he completely gets the glory. So to date, uh, I have been on 16 different well projects, uh, eight of them, uh, most of them in the region that we're in, uh, most of them we've dug with our well equipment, and then we've started recovering wells uh, for the government health agency. This is the same health agency that threatened to put us in jail if we dug the first wells. And as they've seen the success, they're now asking us to go and recover their wells. They're asking us to fly into other indigenous reservations. They've chartered flights for me to go check out the situation. And so this is just one of those cases where when you lead with a loving hand, you not only establish relational influence with the people that you're trying to reach. You also show the entire community that your agenda actually is the good of the community. And uh, the, the whole track record with the government is just completely incredible. I went to a well recovery site, and I didn't know it, but the governor was showing up that week. And so, of course, he asks who I am, and I tell him, oh, we're doing these things, and that conversation has led to other things. So we just see how God is leading, because none of that are th is something that we asked for. God made it happen in the moment, just like so many of the well projects, when there was no way it would happen. It somehow, God provided a way. So 16 wells to date. As we finished the first well projects, requests from all over Brazil came in not only from missionaries, but their missions organizations and the actual tribal people. And some of those locations, you might remember that map, are locations that missionaries haven't been to. So God has been paving the way for a ministry which will, through well projects, open up the door for the gospel to get to a location that it hasn't been. In our context, it was the win that we missionaries needed in the community and in the government's eyes. Lots of other missionaries across Brazil are in the same, lo same situation. 
some of these locations they've never stepped foot in, but those indigenous are asking for a well. So obviously you can see the connection. When we go in, we want to be taking those missionaries because they need to establish the relationship. So we have 19 projects that are in some phase of planning at the moment. I've gone to the site. Uh, they've asked for it. Um, and so the future for me is a lot of well drilling, which is not really what I anticipated when we first went to Brazil. But it's interesting because God opens doors, and our job you know, is to step through them in faith and have 100% confidence that he'll close whatever door that he doesn't want us to go through. So, why do a well project? Like in our context, we needed the win in the community. These are some different missionaries that I want to do projects at. Um, Each one of these, all of these are fairly new missionaries in their location. Not all of them have permission to go everywhere in the reservations, like Neto. He is in one village that the chief wrote a document for. Now, his church planning strategy is actually uh, inclusive for about seven different villages, but he's not allowed to go visit them. And so you'd better believe as soon as we dig the first well for Neto in his village that all the other chiefs are going to be watching. And so the goal with this ministry is to set him up with the equipment so that he can go do the surveys so that later we can fly in. And of course, he's going to be building that relationship where he and his wife and two single ladies live. uh, They kind of live on a plateau next to a river, and he has to cross about 90 some meters, uh, 200 some feet, and then walk down a bank that's about 60 feet in order to get to the river. And so every day, this man carries buckets of water Uh, for his family and the single ladies uh, so that they can have drinking water at their house, so that they can flush their toilets. Uh, Anything that you need water with, this guy spends a whole lot of his time. Same situation uh, for Philip and Bia in the Kashuyana. They live roughly the same distance away from the river, and it's the same thing. They have to carry buckets of water. And these missionaries are drinking water from the river just like the indigenous. And so they get the same amount of giardia, amoeba, dysentery as the indigenous do. That takes a heavy toll on the missionary and the indigenous. And so to start off, we want to focus on the missionary because they're our door into some of these communities, but also to bring them something that is so important for health. Kulina, the New Testament was printed... Uh, in 2022. And so whenever there's a New Testament dedication, it's always a big event. He is a new missionary. After the, the Bible was printed, he moved into the village. And within three months, the Bureau of Indigenous Affairs showed up and kicked him out. He had already been asking for wells, and he had already been telling the chiefs that there's a possibility that they can do some well projects. So if we're able to get back in there, it'll be a huge win for him in the indigenous eyes and in the eyes of the government. And then um, the Jorge family, they are in central Brazil, and their indigenous group has several thousands. And he is in one corner of the village. If he starts drilling wells, it'll build relationships with lots of other people. And so our goal, you know, as we start doing more wells, is to really focus on the place that I call have kingdom impact. We can drill wells for the rest of our life, which would be a good thing to do. 
Now, if we drill wells where the gospel hasn't been or where the missionary needs a win, that's actually the makings of, of a ministry. So here's the actual locations. Um, I'm up in this little corner right here, and Net was in this location. The healthcare agency actually flew me to his village, not knowing that I knew him, because they wanted me to check out whether I could do a well there. And then here's Philip and Bia. On the other side of Brazil, which would be like here to Florida, um, is the Colina, and this is the location that we'd like to get the missionaries back in, and uh, the Krawa missionaries. So I show you the map and the missionaries because it explains why we've also been going after more equipment. <laughs> Brazil's a huge country, and if you were to tell any business, you know, from here in Michigan, you're going to launch operations across all of the United States. You're going to need more equipment, and you're going to need more people. Um, so we were blessed with uh, donations to purchase uh, a professional well drilling rig that will actually drill through rock. And so hopefully this next year we'll get that to put to use in central Brazil. And uh, we're renovating a truck, which will drag that around. And then we have the shallow portable well drilling equipment that we can stuff into a helicopter or into the back of a truck or a boat, uh, which Tom built. Uh, so we have one of those operating, and we have three more in fabrication to try to make it out to the four corners of the Amazon where other missionaries are going to be receiving them. The Amazon basin is actually in a massive drought. It's never been... The last drought recorded was 121 years ago, and so a lot of tribal groups right now are reaching out to the healthcare agency asking how they can get water. A lot of missionaries are in the same situation, asking, when are you coming? <laughs> and it just seems like God's timing as we're starting to launch into new regions. Uh, the demand is, couldn't be higher than it is right now. Uh, so for 2024, our fundraising goal is to provide water for seven different missionary families in the Amazon basin. And once we get the well rig located where the missionary's at, of course, we're going to dig several in the community as well. So per project, it's around 8,500. Um, and if you want details, you can go to amazonwaterproject.com. And this kind of brings me back to something I, I spoke on the last time I was here, you know, the, the weighing how much effort do you put on humanitarian efforts and how much do you put on spiritual. Um, our, our mission, you know, as believers in the world is very, very clear. You know, go into all of the world and preach the good news. Some of my favorite stories in the Bible of Christ's ministry was when he wasn't afraid to meet people exactly where they were at. You know, he didn't wait for that person to cross the doors of a synagogue so that he could lecture at them. He met them exactly where they were at. Either he was having dinner in a home and someone was brought to him, or he met them on a road, or he met them at a well. In those encounters, often with miracles, he would provide for a physical need, which in turn led to a spiritual encounter, a reckoning and a redemption of a soul. I have a video, and I'm pretty sure that you guys have seen it. 
However, I wanted to play it again and give a little bit more context. It's about Matapi. Uh, this is Matapi in 1988, when my parents were two years into the village. And uh, the little white thing right there is actually me. Following the demarcation in 1996, another missions base was set up on a nearby river system. But contact with Matapi and his village became very limited. Matapi had become a vanguard for defending his people's rights, their culture, and their way of living. Anthropologists and other enemies of God's word used him as their voice piece. By extension, it became his job to resist the gospel in his community, regardless of his opinion. Quickly, we found ourselves on the opposite side of a spiritual battle, despite the years of close friendship. 22 years later, we were digging a well at our jungle base, and members of Matapi's village saw the results. Matapi had long been promised help for his community, but the years were passing. In 2018, Matapi signed another document, this time authorizing us to come back in the reservation and dig a well in his village. For us, it was just another opportunity to show God's love on his community. But God was at work in ways we couldn't have known. Enemies of the gospel had put in motion a plan to remove us from the region again, but this time it failed because we had just given the YMP a valid reason to defend us. Another reason for them to want us to stay and eventually invite us into other villages. Doors are being opened to us because of the well projects. We've dug six wells in the greater area. As we finished the first couple projects, requests from all over Brazil came pouring in from other missionaries and indigenous groups. We didn't ask God for the well rig or even the aviation necessary to access these remote locations, but God equipped us with both because he's at work. 
So now we look to the other opportunities. It's hard to get a handle on the scale of the area we're talking about. Just the Amazon basin is roughly equivalent to the size of continental USA. In Brazil, there's over 300 ethnic groups discovered. About 100 groups have never been engaged with the gospel. Our goal with Tacoa is to open doors for the gospel by meeting people's needs for water. This opportunity shouldn't be measured in numbers and maps alone, but in stories like Matapis. A month after I made this video, Matapi passed away from cancer uh, during the pandemic. And it was a knife to our hearts because for so many years, um, he hadn't been our friend, but he was on the other side of the spiritual battle. He had to take sides, and he took his side. And the pandemic separated us from him. You know, in his final um, months, he was suddenly receptive, but we couldn't get to him because of the pandemic restrictions. Every single one of us missionaries would have loved to have led him to Christ. You know, at the end of his life, he was finally ready to hear. And I think we as church planners become really satisfied when we see God using the model that he's Put in front of us actually working. We are church planners and disciplers. Uh, this man here, Tapakwari, uh, who's uh, in the video as well, he's a believer, and uh, he was with Matapi in his final days and was able to share the gospel with him. And when I sent this video to you guys, we didn't know that. We found out a couple months later. And I think it's just fitting, you know, that the fruit of our labor of you guys' efforts through us is what ends up through another believer in Christ reaching someone who had been set against God his entire life. And so we do thank you guys for your prayers and your support. Uh, it's because of what you guys do in praying for us and supporting us that makes stories like these happen. You know, a life like Matapi's and uh, Parajal, who was reached by Iravaita. Uh, so we're grateful. 
Uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, there's a lot more tribes to be reached with the gospel. Um, but in God's kingdom, uh, there's no shortage of resources. There's no shortage of people. Um, all we need to do is be willing to respond to God when he asks us to do something. So thank you again for the opportunity to share. Um, we do have prayer cards. If anyone would like one, just uh, grab one from me or Christina in the back later. So thank you.